I used to think when I'm with my family, my kids or my wife, I'm spending quality time. I think I gave too much credibility to the word quality. So time, as Kevin Foley once said, time is not money. Money's money and time is time. Mm. And you can never get time back. Welcome to the Nurse Surgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. Well, I'm delighted today to have on our podcast Reg Hayde. Uh, I've known Reg forever. Reg, you've been an icon in neurosurgery in the spine world, and um, I think everybody in neurosurgery knows who you are. But we also have listeners that are medical students or um, maybe more peripherally associated with our field. So maybe you could just tell them a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Well, um, good good morning. I, I grew up on a farm, um, fixed things as a kid. Went to medical school because when you come sort of a immigrant kid whose grandparents went through sixth grade, med school was a was a high aspiration. I wanted to give back to society. Went to med school to become a pediatrician. Fell in love with neurosurgery, and um, along the way, saw that I didn't know much about spine, and neurosurgeons didn't know much about spine. So I went to do an orthopedic fellowship postgraduate in spine. My chairman told me I was wasting my career because I like intracranial work, but I wanted to do something I thought could help people save pain and also um, utilize some creative interest I had to make it better. Did time in the military Air Force. The Air Force paid my way through medical school and then looked around at jobs, went to Emory for 10 years as a professor and set up a spine fellowship. After that, about 18, 19 years ago, formed the largest private group in Atlanta. So Again, the things I planned in my life, I've screwed up, and almost all the good things in my life had been serendipity. Wow, congratulations. I'll tell you, of our listeners, any, any neurosurgeons out there, we're all envious of you, and we would, we'd love to walk a mile in your shoes, although we don't really know what that's like, right? And so, you know, one of the reasons people listen to this podcast is because our lives are so interesting, and I'm, I'm going back to something that everybody's seen recently, which is Dr. Strange, Stan Lee's uh, superhero, right? This guy, Dr. Strange, and, and uh, Cumberbach plays him, and, and it's, he's like the quintessential neurosurgeon, right? He crashes his Lamborghini on, on, the, on US-1 in Malibu, and, and so something about our lives, is, it's a little different, and that's why we wanted to talk to you today about life and um, relationships and, and balance in, in, in 15 minutes, and so, you know, we face some unique challenges, I don't know if it's, it's time or ego or money or what it is, but tell us about what you think about neurosurgeons and their relationships with other people. And I'm not talking about patients here. I'm talking about your family, your spouse, your kids, things like that. Well, if I could first cor- correct you, the greatest neurosurgeon of all time was Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> is that, he was a neurosurgeon too? In the eighth dimension, and he was wow. a rock star nuclear physicist scientist neurosurgeon. So, uh, <laughs> you know that? Please, Some people have all the time. So please go back and look at that. You know, here's, here's the deal. Um, you don't want to walk a mile in my shoes 
because it's been joyful and painful, right? So most of us that have a story to tell, it involves uh, ups and downs. I think what separates a lot of neurosurgeons and myself is not being afraid to fail. Uh, I give talks to high schoolers, and I ask who has the most you know, missed free throws of all time, who's thrown the most interceptions of all time, who's the most strikeouts of all time. You know, it's, it was Brett Favre and Will Chamberlain and, and Reggie Jackson. So when you look at somebody that's accomplished great things, and anytime any neurosurgeon has accomplished great things, you have to handle adversity well. You can't be afraid to fail. You have to be accountable to yourself and learn from your mistakes. And I think um, neurosurgeons have that capability. We have that, that capability to keep pushing through adversity, to learn from our errors, and to keep trying to improve ourselves. And I think that holds, I think that's interesting to a lot of people. A lot of people play it safe in life, and we tend not to play things safe. But there's something unique about what we do, and I think, I mean, I want to say, and I know it's not just this, it's like the lack of time, right? Like, so, so human relationships are complicated, and, and I, I always think about, well, why is it that, uh, okay, so here's, a, here's another example. In that movie Traffic that won the, the, the yeah. Oscar, there's a great scene where the kids are getting high in the mansion, and, and the kid overdoses, right? And one kid says to the other, call your freaking dad. He's a neurosurgeon, right? And to me, that's like, wow. Like, that's the situation. Like, the, the, the father who's not there. We don't have enough time. How, like, how do, you, how do you deal with that? I mean, look at the job. JP, I don't even want you to say how many hours you're working a week. But it's a lot of hours, right? I mean, could you have kids now? No. I wouldn't. You wouldn't, right? Right. So do you, do you, do you think it's just time or you, you think there's something else to it? Here, here's what I tell people. I don't watch TV. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I watch a lot of TV. So. I don't watch TV. So time, as Kevin Foley once said, time is not money. Money's money, and time is time. Mm. And you can never get time back. Right. And so time is my most valuable co- commodity. And just before this morning, I had a meeting with Mike Groff, who's going to run the Neurosurgical Foundation that, that you know about. And Mike said, Reg, how do you find time on your calendar to do everything? So I get up at 4 o'clock. So I actually plan... <clears throat> um, I plan well. I I have an old-fashioned calendar, and I plan dates with my wife. I write in my kids' uh, soccer tournaments. So if I don't actively plan the social, physical, fitness part of my life, it gets overwhelmed by work. So I think one thing that neurosurgeons have to do well is time manage. I think that's a great skill set is organization and time management. And part of what we're discussing today is actually time management with your family, with yourself, with your you know, physical fitness, your emotional fitness, your spiritual fitness. And something else I've learned, Mike, is uh, you know, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes. I used to think when I'm with my family, my kids or my wife, I'm spending quality time. I think I gave too much credibility to the word quality. Mm. Sometimes quantity is important. So I thought, okay, when I'm with my kids or my wife, it's not very long, but doggone, I am fully engaged, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I failed to understand that just spending time, hanging out, taking a walk, sort of, you know, um, doing laid back things. So right now in our family, we have um, family night Fridays, which I mean, Friday nights, Unless there's a football game or something, um, you know, for the for the kids' school, right? Right. So Friday nights at five, we take our showers, 
We get our PJams, we pop popcorn, and we watch a movie as a family. That's the only TV we watch. So we actually schedule time in. Um, and I think what neurosurgeons have to do, because you're pulled in so many directions, everybody needs a, wants a piece of you, right? So I think we have to prioritize, figure out what's important to us, and learn to say no. The problem is when we get called for emergencies, Yeah. right? I mean, how many nights, weekends, dinners, holidays, do you look at your, I know Amy, right? You look at your wife and kids and go, I'm sorry, I got to go in. I probably missed half of the Christmases in my life. Right. Yeah. And I look at them and I say, and here's it, what if that were my family? So what if my wife or one of my children needed a neurosurgeon? I would want that neurosurgeon to be there. So that's what I struggle with is the obligation we have toward our patients, because our patients have significant things, right? It's not like, well, your blood pressure is a little bit high, you have a headache. They really have bad stuff happening to them. And so we have an obligation to our patients. With that means we have to work extra hard to schedule time with our children and our spouses. And you just can't let it happen naturally. It has to be deliberate. In, in those moments when you have to say, sorry, I have to go in, I would assume that or hope that after a long enough time with your family, they understand that side of your work, that side of you as a person. Um, how do you reach that understanding with, with a spouse, with children? Well, sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And um, so I've got six kids, and the oldest two daughters have six children, so I've, I've got grandchildren. And they now understand what I was giving up if it's for a greater good. Hmm. Um, you know, I teach my kids, I've got three rule, rules of success, okay? It's whatever your job, have passion. The second is give back to your community and society. And the third is make enough money to take care of your needs, whatever your needs are. But the, but the second thing is give back to your society and community. So we have a big thing in our family about giving back. Um, so I think, I, th I think they get that. But there are certain holidays that they certainly didn't. And I got the evil eye. Um, but I think that's part of the re relationship. I think all of our spouses and children miss us. And I think there are a lot of absent fathers and absent spouses in neurosurgery. It's getting better than the way it used to be decades ago. So one of your mentors, I believe, Joe Maroon, right? Yes. You had him invited as honored <laughs> guest. I never forget this talk he gave where he shows, and it's, it's everybody talks about it. But it's like the four pillars. Like, maybe go over that. And, and are they equal? Like, uh, what is it? Uh, you know, work, physical, body, spiritual, and family. And it, like, are they equal? Like, they should be like 25, 25, 25? Yep. Not at all times. Okay, so your box is, is not always a square. It mm. varies with our needs of our life. Sometimes we can put our families first, sometimes we put our jobs first. So in 1986, in November, I went to work with Joe as a fellow. He had just gotten back from New Orleans. He was president of Congress and gave a talk. Um, and he was the first president that wasn't married, right? He was the first CNS president, maybe the only one, that didn't have an auxiliary committee. I'm not sure. Yeah, because Steve Giannata talked about that. That was I'm, a big deal. I'm not sure. Uh, so he gave a talk about equanimitas, or equanimity, mm. and he talked about Icarus flying too close, and the, the story of Icarus and Daedalus, and Icarus flew too close to the sun and melted and crashed and 
died in the ocean. So Joe had been through some hard times with the, with the death of his dad. Mm. That he actually quit neurosurgery, became very dis- despondent. He tells his story, shows a picture of him pumping gas. Really? There's a picture of him pumping gas at his pop's store in uh, West Virginia, Pennsylvania area. So he figured it out. He talked about, um, there's a thing called a Danforth Scholar. And if you're a Danforth Scholar, you get a book and it talks about having equal parts of your life, about spiritual, emotional, mm-hmm. physical, and vocational. And so I talk about that too as visiting professors. I talk about balance in our life. So at any one day, Mike, you know this, it's never perfect. But there are certain days that you can't work out, or certain days you can't take time for your spirituality or take time for your family because you're called to work. But on other days, you can spend more time with the emotional, physical fitness, things like that. And the hardest thing I think we, we struggle with is balance. It's the hardest thing that we do as neurosurgeons. But it has to be deliberate where you have a plan for your physical fitness, a plan for your emotional, spiritual fitness, a plan for your family and friends. Because for most of us, unless we, and I use the word deliberation, unless we deliberately plan that, it doesn't happen. At least it hasn't happened for me, because I've screwed this up so many times. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think about if we have the highest divorce rate uh, of of any specialty, and it probably is maybe cardiac surgeries up there. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, It's such a challenge, but I do think, I mean, JP, maybe you can talk to this, I think that the millennials have a slightly different attitude about all this, about marriage. And, and can, can I, I know you interrupt, because I was thinking about this last night uh-huh. about this. When I was a resident, we had work hours were atrocious. Everybody got divorced. Mm-hmm. It's not because we were bad people. We were never home. Right. We were never home. And when we were home, we'd fall asleep at the dinner table. <laughs> yeah, I fell asleep but... once driving home wow okay and so the work hours were terrible and the expectations of the chairman was that neurosurgery was everything Mm -hmm. and i think now it's it's evolved um if you look at the work hours it's better we now have more women in neurosurgery people are expected to have a life outside of medicine um the millennials i've got children that are millennials and sometimes I struggle with their values but the pendulum always swings I think I'm the baby boomer generations we were work 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 and I look at the millennials and they delay things or more involved in in the present so again I don't know where that happy medium is JP I think there's a cadre of us certainly within my year and my generation who want the pendulum to swing a little bit back we, you know, we're, we're young, we're energetic, we're driven, we want to work hard. We want the crucible of training that we hear our mentors and our seniors talk about, and we see what that kind of pressure can produce. And we, you know, like the Navy SEAL training that we always talk about, Dr. Wang, we, we want to become that better thing. Um, I think there are also certainly people um, that I met in medical school um, who I mentored, who wanted to go into neurosurgery, that wanted to become great surgeons, but maybe didn't want that level of pressure and didn't want that level of um, brutal training. Um, so it's, it's Did they hard. match? <laughs> you know what? Medicine's changing now because my oldest daughters are 40, will be 42 and 37. 
and one is a PhD of physical therapy, the other is an is a oncology nurse. About four years ago, they said, Dad, we want to, we want to go to med school. Hmm. I never knew that because I never... Pers- they want you now or they no, wanted to? No, no, to? they wanted to but because okay. I never persuaded nor dissuaded them. Uh-huh. And my life was so out of balance as a resident because mm-hmm. I had no, no control. They said, but Dad, we want to be a surgeon, but we also want to be married and we wanted to have kids. And back then, Dad, it was really, really, really hard. Mm. And I think our society, Mike, has changed for the better. You know, when I was in, in med school, 25% of the class were women. Now over half of medical students are women. If you look at neurosurgery, when I was a young guy, there were almost no female neurosurgeons. Now there's a lot of female neurosurgeons because people em- embrace the balance. So I think our society has really changed a lot to allow people to pursue other interests and be more of a complete human being. So I'm going to push back a little bit because I, I'm, as you know, a crazy person. And I tell people, I, I don't think, I want work-life balance, and I, my kids are probably going to listen to this and shudder. But I, I always tell people, okay, like, I don't know, if you're not a Patriots fan, right? But like, Oh, well, actually, I'm a huge Patriots fan because I love Bill, Bill Belichick. Okay. I love Bill Belichick. All right. it's, like, it's like, do your job. Yeah, so I, I think about it this way. I'm like, okay, so, so you know, you'll hear these people talk about, okay, well, you know, I, I've got this to do. I'm not coming to the visiting professor dinner because of this or whatever, right? And it's some lame excuse. And I'll be like, wow, this guy came in to, to, to have dinner with the residents, and he's a famous neurosurgeon. You should take the opportunity. And I always think about it this way. that, And it'll be like, oh, well, but my wife and I planned a night together. I'm like, okay, well, picture Tom Brady. Or he's a bad example because he married a very wealthy supermodel. But picture, actually, you know what though? Actually, no matter who he, who Tom Brady was married to, he get, he gets up and he does a job. Right. So picture Tom Brady telling his wife, or maybe I don't know, Aaron Rodgers or something like that, telling his wife, "Honey, the honey's like, you know, I don't, I think you should take this Sunday and we should go, you know, to have a nice dinner." And like, dude, like we're playing like a football game today, and I'm getting paid a lot of money to do this. A lot of people are going to be watching. It's a big deal. And and there's a mission creep on that I know, but I'm like you know I want the imbalanced people, and I want the people that you know, people are going to shudder when they want to hate email. I want the people like the Navy SEALs, like they're not in balance. So you know? I'm not in balance, but I but I strive. Okay, so okay. I am. Tell us about that. So um, the resonance, like you never have an excuse, right? And and I always tell the story. Do you know what my little league coach taught me? I don't care if the grass is high or the sun's in your eyes. Just catch the damn ball. Mm. Right, and so that's it's like I don't care. Get the job done. That's right. why I love Bill Belichick. Do your job. Case in point: Last night I had a business dinner. I took my wife. Oh yeah, that's what I do. Like, so I, I took my wife. my wife into it. And yeah. there were and so what? What I did is I talked to cover the people and said, "Bring your wives." And so a couple things happened. One, my wife's not sitting in, in a hotel room. Two, my wife actually sees. Mm-hmm. what I do for a living. Right. So she understands. And then my business associates, both in the industry and surgeons, they get to know our spouses. So last night, I was beside Marion. We had Sharon. We had Doris. Everybody had a good time. And we weren't spending time away from our spouses, but our spouses were part of our lives. Right. And I think that's something I should, you know, that we need to do that better and better and better is not have these, in the past, good old boy dinners, but mm-hmm. not just have neurosurgery dinners. Our families should be engaged more. That's what I've always felt. I mean, I, you, you heard my chair's address this year, the spine section I was talking about. Instead of work-life balance, I just smashed the two together. Yeah. Maybe in an effort to... But, but then I'm like, you know, my wife's like, you know, all your friends are neurosurgeons, you don't have any other friends. 
I'm like, okay, yeah, you're, well, that's fair. You know what? I, um, I'm working on that. So when I tell you, I mean, I'm, I struggle with all this stuff. So last year, I'm 63. Last year I decided I was going to take one Thursday lunch day and meet somebody. Hmm? And it's so hard because I've got. I've got <laughs> one you're gonna like go to a restaurant just to hang out with somebody, or you're gonna yep. bring somebody to lunch? Nope, nope. <laughs> I'm, I'm. So I've got all these really cool patients, right? Okay. I've got all these people that are incredibly talented. Yes. And they do all these amazing things. So I called them and I go, I just want to, because everybody's always calling me. Can we meet for lunch? And go, hell no, we can't meet me for lunch. I'm operate all day. Yeah, I see yeah, patients right. all day. Yeah. You know, I eat yogurt and peanut butter in the surgeon's lounge for lunch. Mm. So I made a point of saying, I'm going to take two hours, one Thursday a month, call somebody and take them lunch. I call them and I say, uh, JP, I just want to take take you to lunch. I don't want anything. They go, what do you mean I don't want anything? They go, I just want to get to know you. Yeah. And so, again, I'm making that deliberate decision hmm. to expand this. And we just moved into a new house a couple week, weeks ago. It's 100 years old. It's a project. And we've already had uh, four couples over because we're trying to deliberately, Mike, expand our social interface with other people that we kind of know, Mm -hmm. not really intimately know. And um, again, it's a very deliberate thing. Now, the the push-pull there is kids have soccer and kids have this and kids have that, but we schedule it out for months in advance. Hmm. Interesting. It seems like the the two things we keep coming back to are maintaining your personal health and well-being outside of neurosurgery while still succeeding and thriving with demands of neurosurgery. So, Dr. Wang is saying that you want the imbalanced people. It, <laughs> no, no. I'm going to get all the hate emails. No, no, no. It, it seems like you want to take the imbalanced person who can survive a neurosurgery and deliberately teach them the balance rather than taking someone who is baseline, okay, happy-go-lucky in their private life and trying to push them into the stress of neurosurgery. Yeah, but here's the deal. I'm a psychopath. Mike Mike and I are friends, but we are forces of nature, right? I mean, I don't waste time. I I say, I don't watch TV. Yeah. I have no downtime. My life is full and I'm going to sleep when I'm dead. So we are all we are all weird, right? We are overachievers. We obviously have some sense of intellectual ability, but all of us are over, overachievers. And Steve Giannata told me the number one predictor of a young neurosurgeon is resistance to fatigue. Really? Yep. We were, Steve and I were, were given talk of the Chicago Interurban League. The number one predictor of a young person become a neurosurgeon is resistance to fatigue. And I was in the military, and I can tell you, it's and I played sports, and it's that ability, no matter how tired physically or emotionally or mentally, you can summon up the reserves and march forward. The problem is that we use up all of our reserves, and then we get home, and we're emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted uh, for, our, for our spouses and kids, right? That may be the answer right That's there the that deal. That's the deal. Because we get home and, baby, I'm tired. Kids, I'm tired. And all you want to do is, is sit on your butt and have a drink. Well, you got to really, again, at that same level, 
pull up those reserves mm-hmm. and commit to your family. And that's hard, right? That's yeah. really hard. Well, that's, I, that's something I'm going to be thinking about in, in some detail. Uh, that you really opened my mind here. Reg, I, I wish we could keep going forever. We could talk for hours, but we're going to have to have you back on so we can get deeper into some of these, some of these details. Hopefully I'll have prepared my mind better for the next time. Well, um, so here's, just, just to finish, this is a process, this is a journey, and you never get there. And I would always say that as a, as a young man, but I never really understood this until my wife got really sick with cancer and one of my kids got sick uh, 12 years ago, and I had to do some soul searching. And I was going out of my mind when my son got sick, and I started looking at meditation and quiet time and slowing the world down. So I've learned a lot, but Mike, frankly, most of the things I've learned has been by adversity, right? That's, right. that's what makes it stronger. So the journey continues, the process continues, and uh, hopefully that we all become more wise. All right. Well, that was enlightening and um, very satisfying for me personally. So thank you very much for being on the podcast, Dr. Hinton. It's an honor. Great. Right.